and after the best clap we've had in a month's time, we're back for another exciting Premier League pre-game. For the after our last episode's post-game episode, we finally have a preview for all of you exciting listeners. The excited listeners, uh, we have the whole crew with us. So all three uh, of the fellow pod combates are here with me this morning. Comment on what we're going to see this weekend. Uh, really interesting international break yet again. Having uh, seen what we saw last time on with like players coming back sick and injured, exact same thing has happened this year. Uh, this week, these weeks rather, we have like a really long list of Premier League players, which includes Doherty, Salah, Hendo, Chilwell, Ake, uh, Joe Gomez, and a bunch more. You know, if you look all over Europe, even players like Ramos and Suarez find themselves injured or, uh, or sick with COVID on the back of um, this international break. So what do you guys make of what you guys saw? I mean, I, I think all of you watched far more football over this international break than I did. Utsav watched uh, games on all the game days for his, <laughs> uh, for his pet project. So what do you guys make of the games? And I mean, do you, I mean, we, we discussed how redundant these fixtures felt last time. Did you feel like there were slightly more competitive games this time? There were some good games in terms of like the quality of the nations facing each other were, but it still didn't seem something that was overly important. And now when you see things like what happened to Salah and how Liverpool are already, you know, really struggling to put out like a good squad on the field. Now they're going to struggle even more. Uh, what do you guys make of just these past two weeks? Yeah, I mean, like you said, the biggest thing, I would say the quality of games is actually pretty decent. But the biggest thing is just like, you know, for what? For, like, this Nations League, which, you know, for... I don't know why it was ever created in the first place. For that to be the main reason, at least with, like, South America, for example, as well as AFCON, you can say it's for World Cup qualification, you know what I mean? So it actually holds um, some value. But when it comes to, like, Nations League and then on top of that, actual friendlies, especially with all of the players and coaches, you know, talking about how... You know, in a time like this, players need even more rest and even more kind of um, safety, I guess, you want, if you want to say, looking over them. Like, this is a time where it just seems a little bit redundant. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously, like, it sucks for Liverpool fans because for them especially, you know, the injuries and sickness and whatnot, the list keeps growing. But just even in the grand scheme of things for everyone, it's just so frustrating when it's just like you see a player got hurt especially if it's like a long-term injury or like a non-contact injury like over a friendly that literally held no value yeah and i think one more thing that was interesting was when you talk about uh you know coming back into the premier league something that the premier league managers weren't particularly uh, all into but now the five substitutes thing like that's something that passed this past week and what do you guys make of that like do you think considering this international break um, that's something that's really, really essential moving forward because it's something that uh, I think back then when they re-voted for it at the restart of the Premier League only I think like three or four Two, teams voted yeah. it but now, yeah, like it's all literally apparently all like all, like these 15, 16 managers want that which is such an interesting thing because I always felt like it definitely gives the bigger team an advantage right? because it just um, lets them flex their squad muscle and lets them use every single corner of their squad, whereas the smaller teams will really struggle to put out five different substitutes on the field every single time. What do you guys make of that? And do you think that that could actually be a viable solution for this season? I mean, another way of looking at it is the smaller teams have an advantage in the sense that their players don't go for international duty and stuff, you know? 
So I feel like for the bigger teams who have a bigger squad, it makes up for that because their players actually go and play like these two weeks that you know the smaller teams get off. These players have to go like the Bruins, the De Bruyneers, and the, all the big players essentially have to go represent their countries, and like that's that's a taxing effort on their part. And like like you said at the beginning of this episode, like so many of them get injured or get COVID. So I feel like yeah. Yeah. Um, Vinicius, I saw traveled like over twenty thousand kilometers wow. this entire international break and didn't play one minute. <laughs> wow. Those are the people you feel worse for. Like at least the players have something to look forward to. And, like, he didn't even come good. on as a sub. No. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, and it's still such a point of pride, right? That you're even sitting on the bench for Brazil. Right. But, I mean, it just sucks the way things and and turned out. But speaking of uh, players that travelled everywhere and didn't play, uh, Mount was one who actually got an opportunity to play England. As usual, irrespective of their you know pathetic performances, still seemed to like dominate the headlines. Had a much better performance against Iceland than they did against Belgium. But uh, one team that looked like they were having one of the the better uh, international breaks were Chelsea. You know, they, the the first Germany game, I think. Uh, Werner scored a couple, and um, Harvard had a good game. And then even in the uh, the first France game of the season, I mean of the weekend, Chel- uh, Kante was man of the match, scored the only, like scored the winning goal. So it was a really really interesting break for them. But they host or they they travel to St James's this week and face a team that's uh, sort of been in and out of form, but still finds themselves like just four points behind Chelsea in Newcastle. Um, really, really interesting season they've had so far. Uh, it's made a good point about how Alex, um, Saint Maxman, who is without a doubt their best player last season, is having a real tough time finding his feet this season. But at the same time, they're still getting performances and they're still getting results on the back of like a few Callum Wilson goals. So Callum Wilson might not play this weekend. What do you guys make of Chelsea's visit to Newcastle? And uh, I got a, a some feedback from one of our listeners saying we are an anti-Chelsea podcast or a <laughs> podcast that doesn't give Chelsea enough love. So what do you guys think? I always, I've always been a stout and thing that I believe Chelsea will finish top four. If they want me to say that they're going to win the title, then I can't do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, what do they want? Like, what is? What more what do you want, want than top want? four? Yeah. Well, I think the introduction of Ziyech. Uh, in the past couple of weeks has like really stepped up Chelsea's performances. I mean, we already spoke about how the defense has become a lot better as well. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I keep saying this, but it's all about consistency. And Newcastle, I feel like, won't be much of a threat to them in the sense that I feel like they'll continue their good run of games. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's going to be an easy game for Chelsea this week. And what do you guys make of where Newcastle is this season? You know, I think last season when Bruce came in, uh, everyone was like so negative, right? And like he really proved himself. Everyone, obviously once, you know, Benitez got fired or left or whatever the, the, the decision was at that point. When he came into the season, everybody gave him so much, uh, gave him a really tough time, including the Newcastle fans, expecting like a really bland, dull brand of football and he did kind of offer that but at the same time he brought in like a solidity and a rigidity which was a continuation of Rafa's time but still 
he brought like a little bit more of an expansive style of football for a team like this, even though he has an entirely pragmatic group of players. Uh, what do you guys make of where Newcastle has come so far, and especially now that he's playing that front two of ASM and Callum Wilson, which is a very, very different type of approach than a typical Newcastle team would have had all those for all these years. What do you make of this, that? This summer they've had like good signings also. They got Wilson and they got Ryan Fraser and all positive signs, you know, where they want to attack, they want those goals, they don't want to scrape those 1-0 victories or those draws that, you know, Newcastle have been known for in the last 3-4 years. So I think I honestly think Steve Bruce has done an incredible job and some it's going under the radar, which is good for them, you know, because most of the brunt is bared by their owner, I forget his name right now. And they were up they were more ups- Yeah, they were more upset with him for signing Steve Bruce than what actually Steve Bruce has done with Newcastle. So I think if they if they like secure Premier League status by March or something, that would be a very successful season. As long as they don't get into that pre- relegation battle, I think he's doing well with what he has. Yeah, and I think the way they've started the season also like really lends them to having like a good platform because despite the fact that they're 13th on the table, they're only like three, four points off of Chelsea who are fifth. So it just shows you how clustered that part of the table is this year and just a few good results like we mentioned last week as well. Just a few good results either way. Like Newcastle have had a phenomenal record against Chelsea. In the last six games that they've played at home versus Chelsea, they've won five and drawn oh, one. Oh, wow. Which is a f- ridiculous. I just couldn't believe that when I read it. I think it's the last seven they've won five, drawn one and lost one. So it just goes to show you, you know, Chelsea do have a few of these bogey teams. They really struggle sometimes away from home against these teams. So it's going to be a really, really interesting game. And I, and I, I mean, like we mentioned you know, Chelsea also have their fair share of injuries. Despite the fact that Ziyech is back, it looks like Pulisic is going to be out yet again for a couple of weeks. Havertz is not uh, entirely fit, so it's going to be a, a lot of Chilwell. responsibility on Abraham. And no Chilwell as well, who's been one of their biggest outlets. Yeah, that, he's been really good. Which has been, he's been phenomenal every time he stepped on the field for them in the Premier League this season. I so. can vouch for that because of uh, fan tracks. Yeah, he's <laughs> got the point return on fan tracks as well, but Speaking of uh, defenders that get high results on fan tracks, we had Zhao Cancelo, I think they just favourite guy to Ben, <laughs> <laughs> having a really good game again for Portugal and they uh, host City after Pep's uh, contract renewal. City hosts coming, who, who come into this game as like far um, more likely to win the title, at least according to our last episode. So Spurs look uh, are sitting second on the table, looking far, far more convincing than uh, City have for this season. And I think that's something that you'd all agree on. Um, when you especially look at the form of Kane and Son, I think without a doubt, we were having this argument yesterday, and I think Kane and Son are the only two players I would put in like Mane's category as like best players in the Premier League right now. Even though De Bruyne and Salah, would, without a doubt, would be in that argument any year. But this year, I feel like these are the three standout players so far. And uh, Son is not scored in the last couple of games, but Kane has really been incredibly important getting their last two games wrapped up with his goals and winning those two games because of them. So, what do you make of um, this game especially and do you think this is a bigger game for City or do you think it's a bigger game for Spurs? For all of you, who do you think is far more um, eager to win this Before I answer this question, Ashwin, how does it like, what's going on in your mind now that Messi's confirmed to City 
uh, Pep is signed till 2023. Uh, so, man. which side of Manchester are you on? Dude, it's gonna be. I, I, I actually believe you. Are, like, I think it's done. Like, I think Messi to City is like just a matter of time before it's confirmed. Um, I don't know what to make of it. Imagine how much Ushane would hate City <laughs> if this were to go through. Just think about how much he already I hates them, and swear. think about. <laughs> but did you did you hear about Messi's that. comments? He's just like, I'm so tired of. Um, yeah, he's like, I'm always no because Griezmann, Griezmann, the agent came and said that you know he's feeling uncomfortable because of Messi's terrorism in the. Griezmann. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, he's fine. So Messi's bad. Yeah. So. He's literally so bad. But coming back to the game, um, I think it's definitely a much actually I would say it's much more important for City in terms of the table, but equally important for Spurs because you know they they know where they stand if they beat City. Um, especially, I think it's at the Etihad. So, no, I think... No, it's not. Oh. So, then it's more important for Spurs uh. even. So, it'll be it'll be good how Mourinho comes up and how he lines up against uh, City. And I don't think City has that many injuries. Fortunately, they've got Gabriel Jesus back. Ferran Torres killed it again this um, international break. So, they have like a good first eleven. For them and Ruben Diaz also scored two goals in their comeback victory. Yeah, I was gonna say I definitely agree. Like I think it's I think it's big for Spurs in the sense that you know if we are to start taking them seriously as title contenders, these are the kind of games, especially at home. On top of that, that I mean a draw. It's I'm not saying it's like an awful result, but these are the kind of games that you have to win at home if you truly want to be you know a title contender against your other title contenders. But on the flip side, I do think that for City, you know, at the same time, like, look where they are in the table. Things haven't really gone their way. They haven't looked 100%. If they want to get themselves back in the title race, which they obviously will, like, they need to start stringing things along. And this is the perfect time with everyone coming. Aguero's going to come back to fitness. Um, I know Ake got injured. I don't know this. I haven't checked the seriousness of that injury. But, yeah, obviously Diaz... Looked really, really good. So I think it'll be a big game. Um, but I have a question for yeah, you guys. I don't know. Um, the last time Mourinho won a title with Chelsea, I don't know if you guys remember, but he always, in the big games, it was very like drab. He used to nullify his opponents, but it was against the smaller teams that he kept like winning, you know? So I wonder if he's going to try and use that same tactic. And do you think it'll work this time as well? Considering everyone's so like competitive, do you think it's just good enough to like nullify your top six rivals and just beat the smaller teams do you think you can win the title that way or do you think you need to like I also mean, beat your your rivals i don't know how in theory i think so but i don't think you like how would you do that against city? i don't know how you know exactly i don't know how efficiently he'll be able to do yeah. that not because of city but with the back four he has defenders yeah mm-hmm. there's yeah. no like there's nowhere close to what he had at chelsea because that was his main strength here he's his main strength are his front three, front four, whatever. So, I know that approach works, but I don't know if he has a squad to do that. No, because I definitely feel like he's going to set up to nullify City this game. I no, feel like he... Coming yeah. back to that season, I think if you remember that season, I think he won every game. They lost one game to Newcastle now that I'm looking at it, but that five games... <laughs> Yeah, they literally lost Chelsea, only lost Newcastle that season. And then they lost that 5-3, that ridiculous game to Tottenham. And then after that, he just decided, like, lock it up. I'm just going to yeah. win the title with this team. And I remember they beat United 1-0, which is one of, like, the worst 
like performances I've seen by a league winning team against United where they literally had like 34% possession or something and United just had all the ball like Louis van Gaal's famous United and we just weren't able to score which just goes to show you the type of uh, pragmatism and stuff he's willing to set up a supposed title contender with right like he doesn't care as much as like Klopp or Guardiola mm. now about like actually trying to express a certain type of football which would make it very interesting this season I think that's a good point that you made in terms of this is a season where that type of tactic could be really effective where he could just from those uh, suppose that are the top 5 teams he could just take like a point here and there maybe win a home game here and there and as long as he doesn't lose all like a significant number of those games that puts them in like a really good position you know to challenge for whatever they want to challenge for whether it's a title or for Europe so i think this is going to be a huge game and coming back to i personally think it's a far more uh, integral game for spurs than it is for city because we all kind of know what to expect from City, but if Spurs win this game, I think they really set themselves for a really interesting next few weeks. Uh, Antej, you were going to say something? Yeah, I don't know about him winning this game or not, but he's definitely winning Insta- Instagram <laughs> game. Like, have you seen his latest post? I think he he summed up like this entire international break the best. You know, you should have just read out his post as an introduction to this episode, I think. <laughs> so funny. About, like, no, but coming back to that, yeah. Um, like, I have six players. To coming play. back to that, Ashwin. But wouldn't you say that you know, as a said, and I, you know, I definitely think like those seasons where he had it was like Aspi and God mode. That was when when David Luiz was really really good. Like you had defenders you can truly rely on. Like, would you hand the keys to Eric Dyer? And you know what Toby. I mean. Toby's Toby supposed, like supposedly had a phenomenal like. Uh, international break, even though I watched like only a little bit of the. Yeah, you won me some money. You won me some money. You owe No, but I agree with you. I think I own some money. Different type of team, you know, than than he has now, where their strength. I think that back then he had like Fabregas, uh, Hazard, Costa as like his yeah, predominantly it's... like creative goals. Everything was those three in the front, and obviously he had William as well. But William was just running around. William. Yeah. But uh, I, I wonder I, if William played for Brazil. <laughs> no, he was in Dubai. Did you guys see that? But he's also <laughs> he in trouble this? because he's not. He wasn't called up by any national team. He just went to Dubai <laughs> to go eat at Salt Bay's restaurant. So there was like a picture of him getting spread about that, and they ha- they like this idiot doesn't even play well for Arsenal. He's just taking all their money, and now when he comes back, he has to get like tested. And he has to quarantine, you know, like it's such a mess that he got himself. This might be a blessing in disguise. <laughs> it might yeah. be actually a good thing. But even with COVID, Arteta will still play him. Even if it comes positive, he'll still start him. <laughs> he'll still start him, bro. So that doesn't matter. But coming back to Spurs, I think that defense is definitely weaker than, like you said, like what Chelsea was back in the day. Uh, even Courtois versus Loris is like a big, big oh, yeah. difference, right? But at the end of the day, I think. It's the way you set up can also make a big difference. Like if he's still, he's not played a cam. Like Los Celso has not started. If I'm if I'm not wrong, he started the game against Newcastle. That's the only game. But he's essentially plays like seven three. You know, like it's a typical Mourinho. Like he just lets his front yeah. do whatever he wants, and that's like a little bit different. And than what he would do at Chelsea because he still I... expect like Costa and William to like track back, and I think that's something that he doesn't really need from this team. So having Hoiberg. And uh, Sissoko, I was talking to Karun actually, who's a Spurs fan himself, and he's telling everyone to like calm down on Hoiberg. He's like, he's not Javi, you know, like we like we can't expect him to like suddenly become Skulls Gerard in one. Like 
you need to give him some time and he's definitely playing well but you know you can't like sort of over rely on him you still need to give him that support of playing a Sissoko or a Lasso along with him you can't really like play a number 10 which would actually be interesting because they could probably uh, fit Ali in there. But yeah, before before we move on, Ali, did you want to close? Yeah, that? yeah. Before we move on, I just I guess like the only way we can judge them is based on how they they set up against United, who's who's like the fellow rival, right? And the way they they started off that game, even before, <laughs> even before like um, United went before Martial got sent off, they did they did start strong and they were like playing good football. They weren't like sitting back and stuff. So. I mean, City is an entirely different team, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That was an interesting way. Easy win for City, but... basically. <laughs> easy. No, but, that but, money but... Uh, that I bet on Spurs was the easiest money I've made. They were like plus four hundred against United. I was like, something's wrong. <laughs> I bet. It's like, okay, fine, fine. Oh yeah, imagine if you put like the uh, like whatever the Spurs handicap house... on that, you would have been like plus eight hundred. But. Anyway, so, I mean, we're talking about how important this game is for Spurs and City, but the, another game that is equally important for both teams is uh, Liverpool-Leicester, which is probably the next biggest game, if not the biggest game of the weekend. Leicester went into last time, last time when they played uh, Liverpool in the league, they found themselves in a very, very strong position. But Liverpool put on probably their best performance of the season with uh, Arnold getting three assists and a goal that game. And like ending yeah. virtually ending Leicester's title hopes in that in that moment. And this season is another similar story where Leicester come into the game above Liverpool on the table, have had a really really good start to the season. You know, all their uh, despite them having a, their fair share of injuries, with I, I would think that two like Vardy, Pereira, and Madison are probably their three best players in my eyes, and they didn't have two of them for pretty much the entire start of the season. So it's going to be really, really fascinating to see how they cope now that their whole team is back. Um, Liverpool, we mentioned a little bit about this in the beginning. Um, the big injuries, obviously Salah is like going to be a big miss, but he doesn't seem to be particularly symptomatic or anything. I think he's just going to be in isolation, so he'll be back in like no time. But I think the bigger concern is regarding Gomez, who got injured in training, if I'm not wrong, like in England training. So that was like just such an unfortunate circumstance. Now he's out for six months. Which essentially leaves Liverpool no recognised centre back fit right now. Which I guess Matip will be back soon enough. Matip, so no Matip will play. Matip will play then, so that makes him like Matip and Fabinho will probably be the or will Neko play? If no, Fabinho's a doubt. It'll be probably Nat Phillips with Fabinho's a doubt. Yeah, Nat Phillips, Matip. Yeah, because even James Milner on the right, and uh, I don't know who oh, on the left. <laughs> nobody on the left. Because Robbo was also almost like he pulled Hamstring. up in the Wait, isn't not the last Scotland game. Though? No, he's not back in training yet. Yeah. Oh, oh so then he's also gone. And then yeah. Reese Williams, the backup nineteen-year-old centre back, also got injured. Under twenty-one, <laughs> he also England. Got injured. So, at, and then Hendo's not gonna play. At least we have Bobby, so it's fine. He Wait, can play CDM. He can play CDM. This club also started yeah, training a lot yeah, before yeah. every other club. I don't know if that's the reason why. I don't know. Well, now, I don't think he does that as much anymore, but he's definitely known for that. But, I mean, at least, like, we had a couple players come through, like, Jota, Wijnaldum. They came back, like, no injuries. I saw a tweet about Wijnaldum that I sent to a poor, <laughs> like, Wijnaldum obviously scored a couple, he scored, like, three goals this international break. In the last, like, ten games, he scored as many international goals as Harry Kane has. And the tweet was just like, can't wait for Wijnaldum to come back to... Wijnaldum can't wait to come back to Liverpool and protect the fullbacks and recycle possession. 
But, Yo, he's been exceptional yeah. as a ten for Netherlands. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, Yo, even for Newcastle, man. the guy. Like, he he knows if how to you, score. If you just watch him play, he's just so intelligent. That's the yeah, thing. Like yeah, he just absolutely. is so smart. Irrespective of uh, his like talent, he's really like right. just gets himself around, and he's like really really clever player. So when you put him along, you know, alongside the likes of Van der Beek and Depay, it's like it really gets the best <laughs> out of him in a way that. Salah yeah. and Bobby, all these losers can't get no. the best out of Genie like that. But anyway, coming back to like this is another like you know similar question to you. What do you guys make of Leicester season so far? And we 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 discussed them in, in, in decent detail last week, but uh, we weren't able to. Uh, I mean, like this is probably their biggest game of the season as well, considering what result they have. So going what into do you guys make of going into the game. Uh, Vardy has been rested for two weeks. Madison has not played for England. Most of the squad has not gone out, and you know they've been training and everything. Tielman's played really well. Tielman's played well, yeah. But so it's I think it's Leicester's game to lose, even though it's I think at Anfield. But it yeah, is. so I don't know. I just feel like Liverpool, like Klopp is gonna turn around, like he's just gonna attack, 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 and try to win the game that way, like seventeen, eighteen season. But I don't know. I'm genuinely, I genuinely consider Liverpool to be the underdogs or whatever in this game. Underdogs? Yeah. I mean, I'm usually like, I try to be the little little bit conservative just because, you know, that way you set your expectations low and things happen. But I don't know. I mean, I still think at the end of the day, like, the defense is just the biggest thing. Like, Salah obviously is a miss. Hendo's a miss, but we can get by with those players. I think if Fabinho does manage to play and Thiago somehow manages to play, I'll actually be feeling, like, pretty decent. Um, just because we'll fill in, like, some of those key positions right there. This is the time for Firmino to really step it up, honestly. Like, if there was a time for him to step it up, like, come on, dude. Like, this is the fucking time. And not even in a goal capacity like we were talking about last week, but the guy just sucks. Whatever he does, he just sucks. <laughs> he scored he for Brazil in so... international break. Yeah. yeah, the goal sucked. <laughs> that also sucked. So, I like. I don't. I mean, I think the fact that we're playing at home, I'm hoping you know that that really long undefeated streak doesn't get broken. Um, and I think with some solid players, I'm just hoping at the end of the day that we don't lose at home a draw. Like I would love a win, a draw, like I'll take coming on to Leicester. I think Leicester is really, really good this season. Every time I bet on them, they've won and like bet on them a couple times. They look really good. I think the biggest thing for Rogers would be finding that balance with all of the old players, with the new players coming in, finding the right balance would be the biggest thing. So fingers crossed. No, I think it's actually such a good point you made about Rodgers and even in the this thing you mentioned about, uh, you we spoke last week as well, about Leicester's squad depth. But just the way he sort of maneuvered through it will be really interesting to see how Klopp does. But Rodgers exactly. has a fair share of injuries, right? Like we were looking at like in the beginning of the season, Castagne was one of their best players. He hasn't played in the last few games. So Yonchu, who's without a doubt their best centre-back, hasn't played at all. He's like, injured, who, yeah. Somebody who looked... Like he was completely out of the squad. Like he's brought him back in and really made Fuchs like a real like uh, asset to their defense. And now they're playing the five back, you know. So it just goes to show you. Like I think uh, we all sort of last time we mentioned about how like Rogers wasn't able to take 
a team over the the hump that you know the, like the Liverpool title the title season or Leicester last season. But I think this year he's sort of become a little smarter in the way that he's approached games. Like he's not the Leeds game was a real real eye opener in terms of seeing how tactically advanced Rodgers actually is because you would think that Leeds would really really be a tough. Uh, team for like a t- like this uh, injury ridden Leicester to battle but the way he set the team up made it really really easy for Vardy and all to be effective so i think he's going to do a similar job on Klopp this year this this week so it's going to be interesting you know so if Klopp does go all out attack i think it'll be a really really but it, it, but it is at- it is at Anfield so i feel like it's it's like Liverpool's to lose because they're so just so good at home i feel like the pitch also helps the way they play and yeah, so but the thing is, just the back four is what worries me. Otherwise, if we had lost Salah, Firmino, and Mane, for example, and we had all of the back four, as weird as it sounds, I'd be more confident than vice versa. Anita, in the last in the last three games at Anfield, Liverpool have conceded first in the first half. We have conceded the most goals in the first yeah. half this season. So, the last three games we conceded at Anfield first, and then gone on to win. Just like you know, we just got ourselves uh, across the line. So I think. We've got very lucky with our performances at Anfield, and there's no like that whole crowd support or whatever. But yeah, I was gonna say with or without the crowd, like Anfield, you guys are just something else. But also, your head-to-head with Leicester was like really strong. I feel like the last time you guys lost was in 2017 or something, and that like even when you go away to them, you end up winning most of the times. So I don't know. Yeah, history does. Matter in these sort of fixtures, I feel, because you like Leicester coming into this will have that sort of mentality where like we've never won against them, or we haven't won against them in like a long time. So I feel like that will play into how yeah. Rogers sets up as well. And if I'm Rogers, I'm telling them like we need to be the team to break that Anfield uh, streak, you know, like to get the players up and running for mm. that game. He knows Nobody a bit of love yes. to break that streak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Like I feel like he'd be. As long as we don't concede in the, if we concede in the first fifteen minutes as usual, then another I'll, Aston like, Villa. Just get a draw. Another Aston Villa. Just get a draw. Just get a draw. <laughs> just get a draw. <laughs> just get a draw. Wait, so is Madison starts like? Yeah. Only, only Rogers knows, dude. Honestly, with Madison. Yeah. Madison, I think has been back like here and there, but he just hasn't yeah, started, and I think that kind of. I think that's kind of showing the tactical maturity of Rodgers, as Ashwin was saying, especially because they've been playing that like hybrid three-four-two-one this season. That if you're, you know, playing him, you have to play him in a certain position, and you don't want to just always throw out your best players if it's going to, you know, affect the team in a negative way. Yeah, and exactly, and like that's why, like having like a Tealmans and stuff, it just gives him so many options. Right, like having those yeah. two. Gilman's and Ndidi and Mendy. I mean, like Ndidi's not played much this season yet, but I think Leicester find themselves in a very, very good position. But moving forward, we have uh, one last segment. We just want to talk about quick fantasy and uh, betting tips of the week. Uh, a big, big topic of discussion was, in fact, when I found out about Salah, I was telling Anita yesterday, like, I found out about Salah attending his brother's wedding through an FPL Twitter, where the guy was like, guys, it's so bad in Egypt right now, the COVID situation, that if anybody steps outside of their house, they're getting COVID. And this guy had like a full-fledged wedding. You know, <laughs> he went to his brother's wedding. And it was to the point where I was telling Anita, just that Mido, that, you know, that Egyptian legend, like he was so upset with the Egyptian FA saying, how scared are you of Salah? You know, like just tell him to behave in a certain way. And like, he feels like El Neni and all have fallen sick because of Salah, right? So it's like a really, really interesting situation. So... That FPL guy was like, guys, I'm an Egyptian. 
I I don't want to guarantee that Salah has COVID, but he almost definitely has. Consider <laughs> different options in your team. So I was thinking, would you would you hold on to Mo in uh, the FPL format, or would you get a much cheaper get a much cheaper Jota in? Same goal ratio, same everything. Half, half the price. Yeah, literally half the price. Yeah. But but I know uh, that they said that. I don't. So he, he got. They got positive tests today. So I don't know how that's gonna affect things. They said yesterday, like if they got negative tests, he would miss this game and miss Atalanta and be back next weekend. So you're only missing one game. But the fact that they got tests today, because I think you have to turn two negative tests in. If he misses two games, that's a lot of money you're leaving on the bench. Exactly, I mean, exactly. you can get like, like De Bruyne or someone. So that was my big thing was to move him out for De Bruyne, which was like interesting considering Spurs' fixtures, uh, City's fixtures rather. So that's a a good a good tip. I I actually think like like it's such, so basically apparently so once you test negative you need to be in isolation for like another five to ten days, which is going to be so interesting to see how they actually like you know uh, sort of like how that works in practice, because of a player of Salah's like stature I don't know if they'll actually you know go through I guess they have to right there's no if so or but about yeah there's no protocol yeah. so it's not in us exactly <laughs> and it's not uh, it's not like like Spain or like one of those countries where I guess like football sort of trumps uh, government, so it's going to be a really interesting time. But another interesting thing would be the bet of the weekend. Do you? Ha- I think a really interesting game that uh, would be like a great bet would be Leeds Arsenal. I just find that I was to be I was looking that, at that. That so I think don't bet on Arsenal. Arsenal so we can't bet on the end up. No. No, no, no. I bet on Arsenal against United, just FYI. So, you should thank me for that. Oh, yeah, you got for me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I think Arsenal is like plus 120, Leeds is plus 220. I probably will stay away from that game because it just seems like heartbreak one way or the other. But I think a game where it could be if uh, Spurs City, if Spurs are like plus one or something, wouldn't be a bad bet to bet on Spurs plus one, which means plus one means if they lose by a goal, you still only push, and a draw or a win, you would win money. So, something to consider. And like, you think Spurs will get good odds for a plus one because of how like that city so? Well, plus good. one, you'll plus whenever you're betting the spread, you're, the odds are always going to be somewhat close yeah. to even. Okay, if okay. you're betting money line on them outright winning, yeah, I'm sure you'll get like Spurs like plus three hundred, plus three fifty. It's definitely an interesting bet to look at. And uh, with that, we conclude this week's episode unless somebody has anything to add on. And uh, with the, with Anita just train, who's, who had the train in the background? There's a loud train in someone's background. But Anita lives by the train uh, station. Yeah, blame me when it was a fool. Time to come to an end. But uh, 